Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of the Everyday Explorer podcast. My name's Emma Higgins, and I run a website called gottakeepmoving.com. We specialize in slow travel, immersive travel, and how to bring the culture of travel into your everyday life. And that's what this podcast is all about. Over the course of this series, we'll be talking to adventurers, travel bloggers, and travel writers about how they discover the world around them, and how you can too. We'll be chatting about anything from going wild swimming in a lake near home, to making the most of your long weekends, or the art of getting lost in a city on foot. In this episode, we chat to Katrinka Abroad, a blogger who's been on some truly inspiring adventures. We give you some tips and advice on how to maximise your precious vacation time in places that throw you out of your comfort zone. Welcome to the Everyday Explorer podcast, a series that inspires you to discover your doorstep and beyond on a daily basis. This podcast is brought to you by gottakeepmoving.com and I'm your host, Emma Higgins. Welcome to the Everyday Explorer podcast, our very first episode, which I am so excited about. So today I'm joined by Katrinka. Hi, Katrinka. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? (laughs) I'm so well. So excited. So you are writer slash photographer slash blogger, all in the realm of travel. Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) Do you want to tell us more about what you do and what you kind of Sure. I am an analog photographer. I shoot with old film cameras and I've been doing that since I was a kid. And then I started my travel blog, Katrinka Abroad, about three years ago, a little bit more than three years ago. Mm. Um, And I write about travel and I write about culture and I write about analog photography and, you know, various other things, but that's sort of the general categories. I also do some freelance writing. I also work for a travel company called Context Travel. And they do small cultural walking tours that are led by scholars and experts. And I run their program in Istanbul and in Athens. I live in Istanbul. Which is where we are right now. Which is where we are. (laughs) While we're recording this. So if you hear a moped whizzing by in the background, that's... Just Istanbul life. (laughs) That's Istanbul life just mumbling along behind us. Those listening will have detected your accent. Do you want to tell us where you're from? I am American. (laughs) I am American. I am American. I'm from Boston, which maybe you can't pick up from my accent because I do not have a Boston accent. Which I'm I'm a bit sad about. Oh, it's so gloriously ugly. I do love it, but I'm glad I don't have it. (laughs) I love Boston. I love Boston. I do not have a Boston accent. (laughs) But you're from Boston. But I am from there. (laughs) Okay, so this week we are talking about maximising your vacation time or holiday time for British people who are listening I always say vacation and I feel like I should say vacation um <laughs> just but I managed not to don't really don't okay. do that, I, know, I know but we don't call it vacation time so <laughs> I'm gonna say holiday you're gonna say vacation everyone listening is gonna be cool with it <laughs> and I mean that's really what this podcast is about is for those people who aren't I guess as fortunate as us because we both travel quite a lot. But, I mean, you live here and and travel in your holiday time. And for people who have, you know, nine-to-five jobs or full-time jobs uh, and only get a couple of weeks off a year. For you guys, it's actually literally a couple of weeks. Unfortunately. Most people get two weeks <laughs> off a year. In the UK, it's four weeks off a year. 
Um, and we're going to talk about how to really make the most of that time by traveling to, I'm going to say unusual countries or unusual places or regions of the world. More specifically, places that really throw you outside your comfort zone and how that is a great way to make use of the little time you have to be away. Tell us about your experience traveling at first, because I think it's really interesting, your journey you've had <laughs> to Istanbul. <Okay. laughs> Not that you've, you know, <laughs> that sounds like you've been on some mad, like, thing with a camel across yes, the Middle East I or have something. a camel all the way from Boston. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was very lucky to be brought up by parents who like to travel, but my sort of formative travel experience was when I was in college, I studied abroad in Prague mm-hmm. um, for half a year. I was there for six months or so. And it was the first time I was sort of alone in a foreign country and had to live in the country, not just visit. And it was really a eye-opening and life-changing experience for me because I realized I wanted to keep doing that. Yeah. Um, and I got to travel quite a bit while I was living in Prague. And, uh, and I realized I really liked to travel and that I really wasn't as anxious about it as I thought I might have been. So it became a bit of an addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after my semester was over in Prague, I decided to travel for about a month before I went back to the US. And the first place I went was Istanbul. This was 2008, so eight years ago now, Bye. which is crazy. <laughs> I went to Istanbul. I intended to stay for a week with a friend. And we loved it so much that we ended up staying for two. So I spent uh-huh. half of that month in Istanbul. And after that trip, I knew that I would always come back to Istanbul, but I thought I would never, ever live in Istanbul. (laughs) I just couldn't imagine actually living there. So I returned the next year um, after I graduated to visit, and I came back in 2011 with my sister after her semester abroad. And it was the third time I was here that I really thought, well, maybe I actually could live here. I'd been talking about moving abroad somewhere. I wasn't really sure where. Mm -hmm. And so I started actually considering Istanbul. And it took a little while, but uh, January 2013, I did move here without really much of a plan. And uh, things just keep working out really well. So (laughs) it's been more than three years and I'm still here. So this is sort of a, a shortened version, but... Yep. There's been a lot of travel between all of those places, but mm-hmm. Istanbul has been my base for the last three years mm-hmm. and will continue to be for a little while, I think. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time I've been here, uh, just the two days I've been here to record this with you. And I can see why. <laughs> I can see why you stayed. I can see why there are so many, like you mentioned to me before, there's just layers, so many layers of things. And obviously the whole two continents thing is it's never gets old wonderfully <laughs> charming um and yeah there's just so much here that it, like i've seen a lot in the, the two days i've been here but it's just two days so i can see why you kind of kept coming back for little trips and then eventually was like you know what let's just let's just, let's do, just do this <laughs> and living here is totally different from visiting here but mm-hmm. it's good because it means that when i moved here it was like it was like a new adventure even though i'd been a few times before yeah and what i really love about your travels and your blog and stuff is that you do so many trips around this part of the world more so than I think anyone I know (laughs) does any trips around here yeah which I find really interesting because there are so many parts around here that just are so untouched I mean you were in Georgia last week I was for the (laughs) second time I'd been before it was part of the reason I moved here was because this is the part of the world that's the most interesting to me yeah like sort of eastern Europe Balkans Anatolia Middle East Russia, Central Asia. I know that's 
lot of the world I just listed, but they're all really accessible <laughs> from Istanbul. It's like a fifth of the world you just listed. <laughs> yeah, but, but still all of that. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, it, like some people are more interested in Asia. Some people really like South America. For me, I was always really drawn to Eastern Europe. Um, so being based in Istanbul lets me take these trips because actually Georgia, it, it, Georgia seems really foreign and exotic, and it is in many ways, but it's, 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 it's like a two-hour plane ride from right. here like it's i did it in a weekend i did a weekend trip mm-hmm. um my previous trip was a bit longer in georgia but this one was three days so it's really cool to be able to go somewhere that is completely different from turkey and completely yeah. different from the u.s mm-hmm. um that's only a short plane ride away and to really just sort of immerse myself in a culture that is so different i mean the georgian language is completely unlike any other language that exists except for a few that are around that geographical region that mm-hmm. are related, but it's not Indo-European, it's not Semitic, it's not um, Slavic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like this weird language in this weird little country with a weird alphabet and really good wine. <laughs> Which, to be honest, is a driving a force behind <laughs> almost every trip I go on. So that's fair enough. And do you feel like part of the allure for you for these places is that it's so different from your native land? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, both different from my native land and sometimes just so different from where I'm living as well, which has come from being here for a bit longer. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to expand my horizons in that way and to put myself somewhere where I can't, not only can't speak the language, but can't read the the alphabet. Yeah, that's crazy. It is crazy. And over the years, I've learned to read Cyrillic, like if you, because I've been to a lot of countries now where they use it. Mm -hmm. And after a while, you start picking up at least the main letters, but like, Still, most things in Georgia are written in Georgian, and I cannot read it at all. I don't, I don't know what it no. says. No, you showed me a, a bottle with it, some writing on this last night, and I was like, this looks, yeah, it's not a wine bottle, um, which was a sparkling water bottle. That's what a wine, wine bottle is in Georgia filled with wine. Um, even that, drinking wine, that experience, or bottling wine, is so different. <laughs> so different. And, um, and what's cool about Georgia specifically is, like, it is a culture about feasting mm-hmm. and drinking wine. And I keep going on about the wine. It's not because I'm addicted to wine, though I might be. <laughs> it's because culturally, that is actually a hugely important thing in Georgia. Yeah. So the last trip I did was a bit longer, but this one I went with two friends. One of them had been to Georgia, but only to Batumi, which is on the coast. We were going to Tbilisi, which is the capital city. And the other friend hadn't been at all. And so the three of us read this book before we went called The Georgian Feast, which mm-hmm. is all about food, Georgian food, Georgian food culture, and Georgian wine culture, mm-hmm. which ended up being, like, it sounds kind of homeworky, but it ended up being really cool because we all were on the same page about, like, the background of what we were eating and what we were drinking and what we wanted to sort of see and learn about. So even though we we're in this city, which is very different, with a language that's very different, like, we could see a little pot full of beans and be like, okay, we know what that is. Okay, we want to eat that. Let's eat that <laughs> <Yeah>. right now. <laughs> Okay, give us all the dumplings. We know about the dumplings. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a nice way of, um, so you can go on these little trips just for a few days and completely throw yourself in a different world. And I guess satisfy an itch to travel just with that. But also if you do kind of read some stuff up before you go and yeah, about any subject you want, but food is always a good one to just kind of familiarize. That's That's an easy thing to do to kind of prep yourself in time around work and your busy life and anything before you go anywhere so that you're kind of extra maximizing your 
time when you are actually away. Exactly. And especially in an unfamiliar place because there are going to be so many things that you just like, I don't, I don't know why this is the way this is here and that are just culturally untranslatable. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think when you travel anywhere, you're, you always have the opportunity to learn. I mean, you're always learning when you go somewhere that's unfamiliar, even if you're not trying to. Yeah. And what's cool about going somewhere that's unusual, I think is the word you use, yeah. is that you have to learn. Yeah. Like, you learn very fast, even if you can't learn everything, which you can't. Like, I've been in Turkey for three years, and I haven't learned everything. Mm -hmm. But if you're somewhere that's unfamiliar, you can, you have to learn quickly just to be able to get around and eat and whatever. And you're always going to be a little bit off balance, but that doesn't mean you're going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. You just kind of got to roll with it, uh, because you don't have a choice. Exactly. (laughs) To roll with it, or run away terrified and hop on a plane and go home early, which I would not recommend. Which is not really the way. <laughs> and it's not practical. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> you reminded me of a story. Wonderful. We love <laughs> stories. <laughs> so I went to Sri Lanka, I guess about like a year and a half ago now. And this was a trip that I was not planning on taking. This came to me very unexpectedly, very last minute. Mm-hmm. I found out I was going about a week before I actually went. And before, and I, this was, on, I was in London at the time at a conference. And before that, I had been in Athens at a different conference. Mm-hmm. Before that, I had been in Istanbul. Before that, I had been visiting family in the U.S. So mm-hmm. it had been like a very busy month or two already. Yeah. And then I was in London going back to Istanbul in order to go to Sri Lanka. So there was no time to research anything about Sri Lanka. Like, I had to just basically do laundry, repack a bag, get back on a plane. <laughs> and I remember getting off the plane in, in Colombo, in Sri Lanka, and like feeling incredibly disoriented, but also thinking to myself, like, I got this. Like, this is an airport. It might be in a country I know literally nothing about. <laughs> but this is an airport. But like, I've this is an this airport. Before. Like, I know how this works. And I just realized that I was a lot more adaptable than I'd ever thought of myself as being. Yeah. It was a really big revelation at the time where yeah. it's like, I could literally be dropped in a random country in Southeast Asia. I mean, I had the benefit of knowing that, like, there would be people there at the other end if I could find them. Mm-hmm. And even if I didn't find my people, like, I would still be okay. Mm-hmm. Because I, because I've been putting myself in these positions where I'm unfamiliar with the, the alphabet, the language, the culture, whatever, you learn how to be okay when you don't know any of those things. Absolutely. Yeah. You, and you have to roll with it. And yeah, and it helps you be capable of of just staying calm, you know. I think if you're not used to being confronted with the unfamiliar, it can make you panic a bit. Yeah. It certainly made me panic. You know, the first couple of years I was travelling, it made me panic on countless occasions. And then the more I got used to it, I kept thinking, okay, well, no, this is okay. Just because it's unfamiliar doesn't mean it's dangerous. Exactly. You, and, and the more times you do it, you realise, okay, hang on, this is, you know, we're all still people at the end of the day. And just because things are maybe a bit more chaotic than they are in the UK or wherever you're from doesn't mean that it's all going to go wrong or or you're in any danger or anything bad's going to happen. Exactly. And that trip was one of the best trips I've ever been on. Mm -hmm. Partially because everything was just full of wonder because I didn't know anything. (laughs) And it was so different. And so it it really was very, very special. Yeah. And you took loads of pictures of beautiful elephants, which are my favourite. It's so beautiful there. It's easy. Well, some of my favourite pictures of yours. (laughs) Similarly, my first experience really of traveling in a place that was so different to where I am from was when I went to India and I went to India for two weeks I was working full-time at the time so actually this is a very apt story for this episode I was working in retail full-time 
and took two weeks off and I went to India with my brother, my boyfriend at the time and another one of our friends. And I, this was probably in a time in my life where I did basically no research because I just let my brother read his guidebook and he was planning everything for us. So yeah, I kind of felt like I was literally dropped in this place and I got off the plane and walked out the airport and I felt, well, first of all, it was July. So I felt like a steam train of heat hit me in the face. I'm a redhead for those listening to this podcast. Not, you know, you need to understand that piece of context. As was the boy I was traveling with, my friend Mikey, who is also a redhead. So the both of us just walking out this airport, not knowing anything about India, really. um, It was ridiculous. So the heat hit us first and then just people, people, people in Delhi, just everywhere, everywhere. And I expected it, but I didn't expect it that much. And actually, that India trip was the reason why I started writing. It's probably the reason why we're sitting here now. Because I remember coming back and thinking, I had no idea it was going to be like that. I had no clue it was going to be that chaotic. Probably because I didn't read anything about it. But it could have been part of it. But it inspired me to write and I just wanted to convey that experience and that's why the blog started, so blah, 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 the rest is history. And we did a lot of travelling. We did one or two days in places at a time for two weeks, so we moved around so much. Loads of buses, loads of really chaotic markets. It was just a really, really hectic whistle-stop trip, but it changed my life and I have a very dear place in my heart for that reason. But I came back thinking, okay, that is a good amount of vacation for me (laughs) that is a good amount of holiday for me and good amount of chaos and because it was so different to what I was used to I really felt that I'd learned so much even in just two weeks about myself and about the world yeah massive impact I learned so much about myself and the world and obviously my further desire to travel was just fueled to ridiculous levels but I really felt like those two weeks compared to any other trip I'd done before was so fat they seem to me more valuable not that they necessarily are I'm not saying that to anyone else that a trip to India is more valuable than a couple of weeks in Europe or whatever but just for me personally I felt like that that really meant something and because it was so unfamiliar it uh, was was such a good way to spend my time that I had so little of at the time yeah so let's have a think about some advice we might be able to give what would you say to people trying to choose an unusual place to travel to Hmm, okay I think first you have to be honest with yourself I guess about what is interesting to you that's a great piece of advice right because like India is is sounds incredible amazing but some people might not be drawn to it no and I know people that have been who didn't like it right and you have to be honest with yourself about what draws you mm-hmm. and I I'm very lucky to be able to travel a lot but that doesn't mean that I want to travel all the time mm-hmm. which is a realization I had in the last year and I thought okay I need to pick which places I want to go to that are going to be worth it for me right and not just go to a lot of places because I can and end up feeling sort of drained yeah so I sit like I just take that time sort of like a little meditation time to think like Mm -hmm. I make lists like I read things what is interesting to me where do I want to go so I have my little list some of the places I can go to some of the places like Iran is a little bit harder right now but it's the top I would love to go to Iran (laughs) yeah I could see you in Iran I could see it's gonna happen to go to Iran it's so close Mm -hmm. and it's so hard for an American but you know I have my list and so 
I think that's the first thing. Like, what is unusual to one person might not apply to you. Yeah. And I think in addition to that is you can push yourself outside of your comfort zone, but it's okay if your comfort zone isn't as maybe as broad or whatever as someone else's. Be realistic with how you're going to feel because maybe I think some people land in a place like India, especially in Delhi, which is a city that I can't even fathom how large it is with how many people in it. It could be too much. Yeah. So when you say like unusual places, maybe if you're a little nervous of these things and, you know, we live in a time when people are quite nervous of traveling to unusual places, mm-hmm. you know, you, there are, pla- there are middle, there's some middle ground there. You don't have okay. to just go and jump into India and be like, yeah. I'm going to go because that might backfire. Um, so I mean, when I was 20, like Prague was, was that for me. Like, yeah. And Prague was fine. unusual for me. Of yeah. course, I was in the US, it's farther away, but like, mm-hmm. that's the farthest east I'd ever gone at the right. time. Now I'm like, Prague is like adorable. I love Prague, <laughs> but I lived there and it's been a long time now. But Yeah, it seems easy now because it, you, it seems easy yeah. now, but when I was when I was junior in college, like, it seemed, yeah. it seemed like a crazy thing. Yeah. So you have to be honest with yourself and not judge yourself, I guess. There's yeah. There's no rules. There are, there <laughs> there's are no right rules. answers. No, I just feel like some people about, I kind of feel pressure to... to be like ultra adventurous and yeah, that's not to be honest with yourself yeah like i always say to people go to croatia because it's a really great middle ground just uh-huh. for if you want to do something like europe but maybe a little bit more different mm-hmm. you'll get to the book i know that. bosnia yeah. i absolutely adored and it was the easiest place I've, I've been yeah it's kind of like putting a toe into that other uh-huh. world without having to like jump in with both feet mm-hmm so that's quite a nice way to kind of ease yourself into it. Or, I mean, by all means, jump with two feet into it if you want to. And <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's a lot of places, I think, that seem quite intimidating. Mm-hmm. Like, say, somewhere like Georgia. Let's go back to Georgia. Let's yeah. go back to Georgia. Good example. Um, that seem really intimidating. And we were talking about how the, the language is different. The, the alphabet's different. Like, the culture is different. But, like, the people are so friendly. Yeah. Tbilisi is not a giant city. I found it very easy to navigate and really beautiful to navigate. So it is very different and seems very foreign, but it's not so horribly different that it's a, it's different enough. It might be all the way over there, but it still <laughs> kind of feels like Eastern Europe. I really don't know many people who have been. Um, yeah. And I you don't know loads of <laughs> You should all go. I mean, it's like high up on my list. But I think it's because it's covered so little mm-hmm. that people presume that it's either there's nothing there. Uh-huh. Not true. Not true. Or... It's dangerous. I would employ anyone listening, please don't believe those things that just because a place is unheard of yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean it's dangerous or there's nothing there. Yeah, I had this conversation with a Georgian friend, actually, in oh, Tbilisi. Yeah. She, and she was sort of complaining. She's like, yeah, like, Georgia's so safe. Like, nothing happens here. She's like, yeah. can you imagine anything happening here? And I think to myself, like, you know, I read the news. Like, I know maybe about eight or nine years ago, like, there was altercations with Russia. And I said this to her. I said, you know, like, this thing happened. She was yeah. like... Nothing happens. <laughs> like, no, honestly, she's nothing like, happens. She's like, nothing's going to happen here. Like, yeah. nothing happens here. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, well, yeah, I mean, of course. Like, yeah, yeah. On the subject of safety, if you're researching a new place to go, where do you tend to look to find reliable and, I guess, factual information about safety on a, on a new country? Especially because you travel in a place that many people consider to be quite dangerous. I'm lucky because I'm based in Turkey, and so I'm surrounded by people who are also in this region or who travel around this region. Mm-hmm. 
So when I'm traveling around Turkey, especially, but also other places around Turkey, I just talk to as many people about it as possible. Great way to do it. That's like number one. Definitely my number one, especially in Turkey, because the news can be a little alarmist about Turkey, which Mm -hmm. is always surreal when I'm here, because like, Sometimes when things happen, the news will be like, oh my god, Turkey is falling apart. And I like look out my window and there's like a little old man selling fruits and vegetables and like girls wearing miniskirts. And I think, I don't think it's falling apart. <laughs> so I think we're okay. We're okay. So when I travel around Turkey, I just try and talk to people. Right. I'm also part of a few sort of expat Facebook groups. So mm-hmm. sometimes if my immediate friends don't know, I'll put a thing out in there and say, hey, has anyone been in the last month? Yeah. Like, can I, can I go or can I recommend someone else go? Yeah. And that's been really helpful. I also, I read a lot of travel blogs. I know a lot of travelers and travel bloggers. And sometimes I can just reach out to people I know who have been there recently. Better people who have lived there recently. Right. Because people who pass through, it's it's helpful if they were just there. But it's not always the most helpful. No, yeah, exactly. Because things change. And there are, I mean, there are bloggers, thousands of bloggers who have lived in thousands and thousands of different locations around the world and you know we're we're approachable (laughs) we are approachable i mean i get emails through my blog and through my job all the time right that say is turkey safe is istanbul safe and i never mind answering them because the answer is always is safe (laughs) and because sometimes i find people just need to hear someone tell them that it's safe yeah you just i I don't mind a comforting little yeah yes it is like a little hand on the shoulder yeah. Yes, it is safe. Okay, that's fine. I'll go. <laughs> yeah, and it's not, you know, it's true because I live here, so I'm not just saying like, mm-hmm. oh, it's totally fine. Like, yeah. it's fine. I'm here. I'm still here. Yeah. And I think I usually say to people in terms of hard, cold facts, I go to the Foreign Commonwealth Office website, which is a British thing, although the in terms of the safety applies to everyone, obviously. And it has facts about this many British people went to this country this year or last year, and this is the number of people that had incidents. And it's often a very, like, it's like a thousand people went and two had incidents. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I probably won't be one of those two. Uh, so that, if, if I guess you're more of a, you want, you want factual information, that's where I like to go because you can just make your own judgment. And I, I always say to people please just don't listen to the media because every media outlet has an agenda yeah that the news to them means something else or they're just going on you know just yeah. don't just don't it's when just i was not in the u.s visiting my parents i make them stop watching tv news while right. i'm home it stresses me out <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. and also i find that generally istanbul is only in the news as the place they are reporting from when they're talking about Syria, which only means that the reporter is based in Istanbul. <laughs> and so I realized as I was watching the news, I thought, oh, wow, every time you hear the word Istanbul in the news, it's like in the context of Syria. But Istanbul is still pretty far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're still and... pretty much as far away as you could get and still be in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And so I I, <laughs> I yeah. think they started watching when I left, but while I was home, it was a television blackout. <laughs> I, th- I said, you can get all of this news in less uh, alarmist places like the newspaper <laughs> <laughs> okay so I'm, I'm gonna put you on the spot as put a little final I can do a it. little final fun question so say you have two weeks for the next year to go anywhere okay <laughs> say that we're actually people that don't travel all the time okay say that we're normal people what would be your top three places if you only had two weeks in a year what would your top three places be of places you would go 
Because I know that I don't even have to say unusual because I know that yours would be unusual. They are unusual. Well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna remove the US, like remove famil- my family obligations. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. On the that, basis that you, you're allowed, I'm allowing you to go back to see your family. Thank, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, okay, top three. Uh, I'm lucky because I do make lists of these sort of things. I know you would. Um, but let me let me think a second about the best three. Okay, well, I've already said Iran, so I should say that, too. I would love Wonderful. to go to Iran. Okay, yeah. If the U.S. dig wasn't so, such a difficult thing to me. get around. Yeah, <laughs> I would Wonderful. love to go. That's a brilliant I find choice. it really fascinating. And, yeah, a lot of things about the culture I find really fascinating. And yeah. maybe it's also just, like, things that are forbidden are really interesting. But I also, from what I hear from people who have gone, get the sense that it is actually one of the safer places in the Middle East to travel right now. Right. It's just that I'm not allowed to. So, Iran, I'd love to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to go to Ukraine. Wonderful. Not the eastern part where there's fighting, but the but like Kiev, Lvov, Odessa. I really, really wanted to go to Ukraine. Can I do four? Do I have to do only three? Yes, you can do four. Okay, I'm going to do four. Um, I really want to go to Central Asia. Specifically, I'd like to go to Kyrgyzstan because I know, mostly because I know that um, the visa is a lot easier for Americans. Because I'd also like to go to Uzbekistan and see the beautiful mosques. But mm-hmm. Kyrgyzstan, I've heard wonderful things about. And it is very unusual yeah i mean central asia in general seems very unusual to me um the fourth bonus one is albania i have been talking about going Mm. to albania the entire time i've lived here and something has always come up to make me put off the trip but it's one of the few places in the balkans i haven't been yet and Mm -hmm. it looks so beautiful and yeah they also have a weird language and like a weird isolationist communist history which i love that stuff too (laughs) so i love your fascination with these little uh these places that are like Cinderella stories or you know <laughs> underdogs that's what I mean underdog places yeah like I think it's just all these places that my parents could never go to when they were growing up mm-hmm. not that they would have ever been my parents didn't travel that far when they were kids but like places that were behind iron curtains or part of different empires or like just separate or isolated isolated in any way like those are the places I for some reason mm. find the most interesting now they are absolutely fascinating and the great thing is that the tourism is not completely overrun exactly there's still things you can you can not discover that sounds a little columbusy but like there's still things you can (laughs) you there's still things you can see that haven't been cleaned up too much like there's still the way people are living so like i love prague but there are parts of prague that are a little feel almost a little disney-fied yeah oh yeah (laughs) like the old town of prague is really beautiful and really touristy yeah (laughs) um but like a lot of these places i like to go to like Bulgaria I went to recently some of these places still feel a little rough around the edges not in a dangerous way just in like a this is the way people live kind of way yeah definitely so yeah I just think there's so much opportunity with vacation time I know that people who want to travel more think that that's not enough time but if you go to places that are just worlds away yeah from what you're used to then it can mean so much more and it's amazing how many places you can find that are accessible from wherever you're living right that are different. Of course, if you're in the UK, it's even easier because you're near so many different languages and cultures. But even right. in the US, like the US is big and diverse and there's places you can get to fairly cheaply from the US that are very different. And mm-hmm. everyone can, I, I really think if you want to, you can always find a place that is, is foreign. I mean, right. even this is, I'm showing my East Coast-ness now, but like my parents lived in North Carolina for a couple of years and yeah. the South was very foreign. Right. <laughs> Like the south of the of the U.S. and I loved it. It was so fun to be able to explore it, but it was different. There were things about it that felt very different. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, there's just so much opportunity out there. 
and we could go on forever. Forever, we, we could go on forever. Yeah. So, where can we read more about your obsession with Central Asia? <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to read about analog photography, giant concrete monuments, and communism, um, <laughs> and Turkey, um, my blog is katrinkaabroad.com. I'm also on Instagram. My handle is Katrinka Sasha. I also have an Instagram account for my analog photography, which is Katrinka Film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Twitter, also Katrinka Sasha. If you are coming to Turkey and want me to tell you that it's safe, you can tweet at me. <laughs> I'm, I'm here it for you. It will be a straightforward, yeah. Yes, it's safe. I am also on Facebook. My page is called Katrinka Abroad, like the blog. Fantastic. Well, I'm hoping some at least one person listening has now thought, hmm, let's go on Katrinka's website and start looking at beautiful pictures of Turkey to <laughs> make me realise, and Georgia, actually, to yeah, make me realise. <laughs> Hopefully by the time this is out, it'll be, yeah. <laughs> it better be. If it's not, I'm going to give know, you a bunch. Um, you only went last week, you'll forget. That's true. Uh, can be inspired to go to these unusual places and make the most of their vacation time. Yes. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. You are so welcome. Head to gottakeepmoving.com forward slash podcast to read more about my conversation with Katrinka. Through the website, I offer more advice on choosing unusual places to travel to, plus six ways to manage a fear of travel. That's gottakeepmoving.com forward slash podcast.